Culture Happy Hour podcast is with you to talk through what you're watching, listening to, and reading. What you need to check out this weekend, what you can skip next, it's all fair game. For pop culture in high spirits, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Hey, before we get going, just a couple of things. First, for those of you who listen to us through Stitcher, they let us know that they are discontinuing their app and their website at the end of August. Hopefully they've let you know that too, but if this is your first time hearing about that, well, there you go. You'll need to find us on another podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or everywhere. You can also find us through the KMUW website, kmuw.org. There's also an app from KMUW. You can find us there too. Second, for this specific episode, we had 07 bajillion technical problems while we were recording. And so the sound quality is really all over the place. We're jumping in and out of backup recordings pretty much doing the best we can to stitch it together for you. And so we are glad that we're able to put an episode out. Please just bear with us as the sound kind of goes haywire, you know, fairly often. Hopefully the next episode will be better, but in the meantime, we've got this one. Here we go. Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to your Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell here, of course, as always, with Kathy Petrus and the Ross Petrus. Uh, I'll just say hello quickly to both of you because we've got a lot to deal with today. Hi, guys. Hi. I was trying to make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, we, we've gotten a number of emails about our last couple of episodes, things that we've talked about. One I wanted to mention, we talked a few weeks ago about pronunciations on jeopardy someone had or a number all all three all three contestants had mispronounced solzhenitsyn uh, in various ways but not not ridiculously incorrect ways and so we we were speculating a little bit on pronunciations on jeopardy and i mentioned that one of our listeners is a, a former jeopardy contestant and a successful one at that and i guess i still won't give his name just for privacy i don't i don't i don't exactly know why he he signed his email he who must not be named so uh, i'll go ahead and stick with that but we heard from him which i was hoping we would about pronunciations on jeopardy and i'll just quickly read what he had to say he says basically in the jeopardy and double jeopardy rounds if a contestant gives a response using a weird or incorrect pronunciation of a word that he's only read and never heard and that pronunciation is a reasonable oral representation of how the word is correctly spelled then it's okay gives the example of edinburgh Maybe the contestant says Edinburgh because the contestants only read the word and never actually heard it. Uh, the judges will take that into account. Of course, in the final Jeopardy round, the situation is reversed. If a contestant writes an incorrect spelling of a word that could reasonably be extrapolated from what the word sounds like based on English orthography, that's also okay. Uh, misspelling Punxsutawney and Punxsutawney Phil, for example. Uh, and, and that sort of coincides with what we were Figuring was the case with Jeopardy. Kathy, you of course have been on Jeopardy and and said <laughs> we will not discuss. That. <laughs> said the more or less the same thing. I, I still want to. I still want to go back and find that episode. I'll bet I can somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I did think was really interesting was that he mentioned Scorsese or Scorsese, as we know, and and I had said that there was a Reddit user who talked about being on Jeopardy and being told by the contestant coordinator that you absolutely had to say Scorsese, not. Scorsese and and our listener our friend uh mentions that people have said Scorsese any number of times on Jeopardy and not been dinged for it 
so that that's kind of an interesting pushback to what the Reddit user has had said, and and uh, I kind of wonder what whether that person misunderstood what was going on, or maybe it was just a, a ridiculous example that the contestant coordinator was giving. Anyway, I just wanted to mention all of that because we did hear from our listener, and and I thought that was interesting. I also want to mention very quickly. Speaking of emails, we got a ton about non-U.S. place names when we talked about the pronunciation of places. So we're assuring everybody there will be a global road trip or plane trip or ship trip coming up <laughs> because they, we've gotten a lot. There's something else that quickly that, that just popped into my head. You mentioned the non-U.S. place names. We talked a while back about saying something like, we, we say Ohio governor, but we say French president, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was writing a movie review the other day, and the movie involved some gangsters from the country of Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was writing mm-hmm. it, I wrote Georgian gangsters, and I thought, oh, are people going to understand what I mean? And then I looked at it and thought, oh, of course they will, because if I were talking about the U.S., I would have said Georgia gangsters. So right. that's so interesting. Isn't that interesting? I, I mean, it, it just it reminded me of that episode that we talked about and and just that that little n uh mm-hmm. gives you gives you all the context you need it does and it's the real problem with learning another language because we all three of us instinctively know we don't know the rule or we didn't know the rule until we did the episode but we don't know the rule but we know what it means yeah and it's yeah. really tough to get those nuances in a language are really rough they're really hard to get yeah i think if english were my second language then i mean let me say, there are certainly plenty of people who's, who have English as a second <laughs> yes. language. We, we kept out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with you. Who, who would get that just fine? But but me personally, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that would that would cause me a lot of trouble to know mm-hmm. whether I, we were talking about the country or or the state. Georgia, Georgia gangsters versus Georgian gangsters. It's true. Well, let's move away from this, and we're going to move into <laughs> we have a quiz for you, Fletcher. But we're going to start with something else because it led into this little new quiz. We just got copies of a new game that we contributed to called the League of the Lexicon. It was a fun game. And we did one of these questions for you. Let's just see. Let's test your memory quickly right now. This is in the game. This sounds fun. What what kind of game is this? It's, in effect, a trivial pursuit about language, about English language, about word origins and the like. So one of these questions that we put in, we actually had used on the podcast, and we want to see if you remember the answer, okay? Okay. Fletcher, are you ready? I have no idea. Okay. What popular English name traces its origin back to ancient Egypt? The names, Susan, A, B, Sarah, C, Sophia, D, Savannah. Do you remember the answer, Fletcher? Yeah, I remember the question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's half the battle. Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think I thought... Oh, gosh. I think I'm down to two. I think initially I thought you were trying to trick me with Savannah, but we're going to go with Savannah anyway. Is it Savannah? (laughs) <laughs> well, Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher. Yeah, shoot. Don't go on Jeopardy with this question. Let's okay, was it, it was way. it Susan? Was it Susan? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes Susan. Got it. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. It came from the ancient Egyptian words session, and which meant lotus. Then it became Shoshana lily in ancient Hebrew. Now it means rose in Hebrew. And it entered Greek as Susanna, and then it came into uh, English. So that was good. 
Kath, you want to do the next big question? Oh, okay. This is one more from the game. Which of the following words doesn't ha-ha come from Arabic? A, magazine. B, camel. C, giraffe. And D, cheetah. Ooh. Three, so three, three, three animals, three animals and magazine. Okay. All right, <laughs> I didn't notice we did that. Loss. <laughs> I didn't either, Cap. I know. Uh, which one? Let's see. The second one was what? What animal? Okay. It's oh, camel. Magazine, camel, giraffe, and cheetah. Cheetah. Wow. I Very got it. Ah, yeah. You just made up for Savannah. <laughs> I was trying to imagine uh, somebody speaking Arabic and saying each of those words, even though I, obviously they made changes from the original Arabic, I would guess. You know, actually, that is really, really smart because the ch sound isn't in Arabic usually. Oh, okay. So you're, you're, it's a, I didn't actually think of that. And I, Learned Arabic. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go there, though. We're, we're that That's really good, Fletcher. Thank you. That's a really smart way of looking at it, which actually points out to a really good way of figuring out languages, how they work, thinking of the, in the back of your head, the sounds that are familiar. I think we're going to get into this now when we go on to the next part of the quiz. Oh, we should say quickly, cheetah comes from the Indian subcontinent, from the Hindi and earlier Sanskrit, Ch- Traka, that's it, traka, meaning painted or adorned, referring to the cheetahs. Oh, sure. All right. So now this all got us thinking about English in general. It's mainly two large rivers enter the language. We've talked about this before, the Anglo-Saxon slash German base, and then the Norman with the Romance languages, which is a confluence of French and Latin. But there's a lot of other languages that have contributed to English, obviously. We had right here two from Arabic. So here's the quiz. Is this word, the one we're going to ask you, from one of those two great rivers, i.e. the baseline ones we talked about, the Anglo and the Norman, or does it come from somewhere else? Mm, okay. Can you tell if it's a base English word or if it's a exotic English <laughs> word. <laughs> I want to add one thing to that, Fletcher. Some of these words that we're going to mention did technically come immediately from French or from German. In other words, they came a long time ago from Arabic and then they got into the other language. And from there, they got into English or uh, into English. But we're talking about the basic origin, the backward origin of the word. And be careful. There's some tricks in this thing, too. Words that sound... We're trying to trip you up. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to definitely try to trip you up. But we're going to open with one. Banana. Is that a base English word, i.e. from German or from the Germanic or from the French Latin or from somewhere else? That's hard because I'm thinking about how other languages say banana. And I'm, I'm most familiar with, say, romance type languages. Um, and they say banana a lot, uh, pretty similarly to the way my two-year-old says banana. Mm-hmm. It, and none of that really helps me with the answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm stalling for time. I, let's, let's say it, it is it is not a base English or a yeah a base English word. And want to hazard a guess as to, as where, to where where it came from? Uh, no, wild no, guess. No, um, uh, it came from. Um, uh, a small town in Chile. <laughs> well, <laughs> you 
when Kathy said wild guess, she was partly giving you a clue because it probably comes from a language which begins with W, Wolof, okay. which is a West African language. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. The thing I loved about it, though, is the etymology, uh, etymology dictionary says it was borrowed by the Spanish or Portuguese from a West African word, possibly Wolof, banana. Possibly. They said banana. Yeah. I think it's definitely banana. <laughs> the, one, the one interesting thing we found when we were doing research on the origins of banana was this. What was the date of, we found a date of banana peel. The word banana peel, the compound word, comes from 1874. Originally with reference to them being left carelessly on the ground. <laughs> and causing a pratfall when trodden upon. <laughs> and then we found, I mean, literally, I'm not joking. It was a, the, quote, a frequent complaint in cities. And there was a rash of insurance scams targeting streetcar lines in the 1890s. With literally like tens of companies, Manhattan Elevated Company, Railway Company, Railway Company of Chicago, all getting <laughs> sued for slipping on banana peels. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to moving along quickly. Another word now, baboon. Origin? <laughs> baboon. Whew. Baboon seems like maybe it's, uh, well, I still kind of want to say like South Asian, somewhere around there. Not, not very base, wrong. Not base. Very <laughs> wrong. Okay. In terms of the solar system, you're close. <laughs> now, this one, I automatically thought, I thought, I thought like you did, it would be South Asian or African. I think one of us said South Asian, one of us said African. No, actually, I said, I didn't think it should be in here. I didn't oh, think I thought you said the other one was. <laughs> okay. What it, whatever. It is actually from apparently the French, Babois. Old French, wow. which meant ape, simpleton, fool. And it could come from an old French word, babouille, grimacing. That one I was almost positive would have been South Asian or African. No kidding. Oh, you're right. I did think this one. You're right, Ross. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. So now I, where do, like, why, why did we start calling that particular animal a baboon then? Well, they have, um, in the meaning of it, from the old French and everything, it also meant gaping figure, and it was used as a grotesque figure in architecture. So I'm assuming that that possibly the the, the facial features were like gargoyle-esque to them? Yeah, That's grimacing the or yeah. that yeah. sort of thing, yeah. Interestingly enough, also, apparently there's an Arabic word, I mean, actually, there is an Arabic word, mamun which came from the European. So it could have also you know, oh, gone backwards. That's interesting. Gone to the Arabic and then gone back into English too. We have no idea. Yeah. Where do baboons live? <laughs> do we know this? <laughs> they live in Egypt. The ancient Egypt is filled, the ancient Egyptian temples, tombs always have baboons greeting the dawn. Oh, okay. So they're, they're all over. Um, they're like in, in all over Africa. They're nearby Kathy too. They're in Gibraltar too. I was okay. terrified of them. I hated those. No, those weren't baboons. I thought those were macacas. I don't know, actually. Because I saw them. No, I I mean, I must say, being in Gibraltar, I mean, everybody was like, ooh, isn't that cool? I was like shrinking away. They're big and they look scary. And I don't, I don't, I don't like animals that won't talk to me, you know? (laughs) You're right. I just looked it up, but they're, you're right. They're classified as monkeys. Mm, They're macacas, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is that how you macaques, say that? I, think I thought it was macaques. Macaques, macaques yeah. Macaque. 
I don't know. I, I just I just wanted. I don't, I don't even like thinking about them. Well, but, maybe we should do an ape pronunciation. Because <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> <laughs> that's not how to pronounce it. I think it's right, macaque, isn't it? Because it's c. It's spelled c a c q u e, right at the end. Yeah, macaque. Yeah, I was, yeah, macaque. I guess would be correct. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> Bazooka. Bazooka. <laughs> Sticking with the bees. <laughs> Bazooka is not a base English word. Fletcher, I love hearing that. <laughs> Kathy and I had a big argument about this word. <laughs> Kathy insisted everyone would know that it is a base English word. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was so obvious. It sounds like a 30s or 40s. Hey, shut your bazooka. You know what I mean, doesn't it? I thought. I don't know. I watched too many old movies. All right. Where does um, this come it, from? It, it, it came from, it was, it, 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 as it is used now as a metal tube rocket launcher, was from the 40s, 1942. It came from a prop by U.S. comedian Bob Burns, a junkyard musical instrument. And the word is probably an extension of, this is my favorite part, bazoo, a slang term for mouth or boastful talk. I like that. Shut your bazoo. Yeah. I'm going to start saying this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that fabulous? That's wild. And speaking of bazoo, what about kazoo? <laughs> uh, okay. I, at some point, I'm going to be right here. This is not a base English word. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> it was it's American English, um, 1884, probably an alter, alteration of a, a bazoo trumpet, which was probably imitative of bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But we can stop. <laughs> so you guys often complain about me getting most or all of the questions right in in an episode what i like to do is save up and get everything wrong for one episode <laughs> You're just so nice our you egos, i don't like right? to spread it out i just like to get it all over with for a week and then <laughs> okay here's one you're gonna probably get boondocks B i boondocks i would have thought is a base english word <laughs> but apparently it's not because kathy's laughing at me already <laughs> Oh, gee. Okay, boondocks, Fletcher, is a non-base English word. It comes from Tagalog, language of the Philippines, mm -hmm. and it means mountain. Hmm. And it comes from the when the U.S. Um, invaded the Philippines in the early 1900s, and then back in from World War II. It became basically a word meaning remote or wild place to us, but it really means mountain, and it's not native English. Yeah, wow. It's funny though. I would have. That's one that I might have thought was English as well, like a la bazooka and kazoo. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It has that sound to me. Well, the interesting thing is, I mean, when they transliterated it from the Tagalog, it's B-U-N-D-O-K. But what happens a lot of times with with words is that we kind of chuck an English meaning into it. Boon is an English word, and docks is an English word. So it does sound completely, you know, English. Yeah, you say out in the boonies now. Mm -hmm. Okay, this next word is cider, as in the thing you drink, cider, C-I-D-E-R. Well, that seems very Norman to me, so <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, Fletcher, actually, in a way, well, it does come from Indo-European. We'll give you that. Okay, oh, thank you, but good. In a way, but it comes from Indo-European from the Hebrew, oh. sheker, 
So therefore, it's you're wrong. <laughs> That's what I need to say. Well, in fairness, though, Ross, it did go into the French. We did say that, but we said we were going to remember. We said we were very strict on this. We were going to go to the earliest origin of the word, mm. and in the earliest origin, we're going back to Semitic words. And then it came into Greek, and it was cicada, into Latin cicada, into French, um, with like a little bit of transmutations, sidr, etc. But it comes basically probably from uh, Hebrew or even earlier Semitic languages related to Arabic, sakar, strong drink, sakira, which is to be drunk. So you are kind of right and kind of wrong. But mostly wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'd say kind of right, though, too. I think that. that one's fair because you do think of the French, and it was in the I mean, I know we said we're going from the very beginning, but I think that we should give Fletcher half a point. Oh, thank you. I think so, too. I agree. Okay. I think that's only fair. Okay. The next word is canyon. 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 As in a narrow valley between cliffs. Yeah, canyon. 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 Canyon is not a base English word. But maybe it kind of is. That's a good answer. Was that 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 was me that was me filling the pause that before <laughs> before you gave me the answer. <laughs> it and that comes from the Mexican Spanish, not the Spanish Spanish of oh. canyon, C A N Y O N. Uh-huh which they think did come from the Spanish canyon, a pipe, which might have come from the Latin reed. But then they also think it might have come from the source from street, C-A-L-L-E, calle. Hmm. Which, so it's, it's, it's one of the mixed bag ones. The thing that got me is canyon, it's, it's pretty much a U.S. word. They say it's very rare in Mexico and not used in Spain or Spanish South America. That really fascinated us that one because i just think canyon is like ubiquitous but i mean I, I would imagine europeans know the grand canyon so they know the meaning of the word but not to be i would say canyon if i were in in asia or something oh look at that big canyon but apparently we're the only people who do which is interesting moving on as you're staring at a canyon <laughs> another c-a-n word candy now is candy baseline european no. Uh, Indo-European no. or Germanic or not? It's not. Very good. Thank you. Yay! Woo! It is baseline Indo-European, but our argument was it had to be from, um, you know, Anglo-Norman or from, I mean, Norman or uh, German, and it comes probably from the Indian subcontinent. Dravidian uh, kantu, candy, or katu, to harden or condense, and from there it got into Sanskrit, kanda, and then from there into Persian, kand, Arabic, candy, French, Kukra or Kandi, and then on to English. So, Fletcher, you've got a full point. I didn't know that one. I didn't know that one, but I felt really good about it. It did feel like it was probably Arabic, and you at mm -hmm. least mentioned that in that string of of uh, yes. of the journey it took. Yeah, I'm surprised that eye candy didn't become a phrase until the 70s, late 70s. That, was that one really fascinated me. Yeah, that one really fascinated me. And eye candy came is derived from nose candy, which is for the 1930s, cocaine. I, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know nose candy. I would have thought eye candy was older and nose candy was totally 70s on. That's what I would have thought, too. And we'd be wrong. But Fletcher will not be wrong about the next word, which is ebony. I could say ebony, ebony. and ivory. Mm -hmm. See, that helped. It did. It did. It really did. <laughs> ebony. E it, it is. It is a base English word. Okay, so it's not? <laughs> I 
I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce this, Ross. I'm highlighting it for you. Okay, ebony actually is um, probably from Egyptian, ancient Egyptian. Oh, wow. Possibly from other Semitic languages. Egyptian is actually technically a Hamitic language. And the problem with ancient Egyptian is a lot of times it was written with those, you know, little, like nice little pictures, but the vowels aren't there. So the word they think is H-B-N-J, Hebenage. Oh, my gosh. You probably pronounce it. <laughs> but, and, you know, but no one's really sure because we don't have tape recordings of ancient Egyptians. So it, it is definitely a non-English origin word. I mean, if you would have spelled it that way to begin with, I probably would have guessed it right. <laughs> yeah, we should always give Fletcher the ancient Egyptian to let him. Yeah. I would like to know how the Welsh would spell it. <laughs> it would be a lot longer, I can tell you that. Yeah, right. And there'd be some Fs. Uh-huh. Okay, this one is interesting, actually. Orange. Orange. We've talked about orange before, I think. Or where have I read about that? Orange is, I think it is not an, a, a base English word. Is that is that right? You're correct. It comes from the Sanskrit. And interestingly enough, how it's spelled in the Sanskrit, which is N-A-R-A-N-G-A, dash S, I don't know what the dash S is, which is much more like, you know, the, the Romance languages, like in, in Spanish, mm-hmm. Naranja. Mm-hmm. And, and so it went from that to, to the Persian, Narang, to the Arabic, Naranj, then to the Italian and the Latin and then the French, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, oddly enough, it wasn't a color word. It was a fruit word um, beginning back in the 12th century. It didn't become a color word in English until the 1500s, which surprised me. That was what I was about to ask. I thought we'd talked about this before, but, but yeah, I couldn't remember. Yes. So, so it was the word for the fruit first and then became the color word. Mm-hmm. The other weird thing to me about orange is in Arabic, you know, Kathy said correctly, came from through uh, Persian into Arabic as naranj. But in modern Arabic, the word for orange is portukali, as it is in Greek, huh. which is Portugal, which is sort of weird how languages kind of whiz around a bit. Hey, so what did people call that color before they called it orange? This is very interesting. I have no idea. Would you have called it like a, like a reddish yellow instead? Colors are really weird in language. We should probably do a talk on that at one point. Because colors, a lot of times, aren't really, like in ancient Greek, a lot of colors that we think of aren't really represented. No one's quite sure why they're not, either. This is fascinating. I want to, It's I'm very interesting. And our, I think that would be actually a question we should actually do some research on, Kath, and we could talk to Boy, Fletcher. Boy, do we need research, because I don't know what yeah. we're talking about. Otherwise. But we'll talk to Fletcher, <laughs> and we'll act like we did know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> That's an interesting question, though, because I would just assume they said, like, reddish-yellow. I would think you wouldn't know what to call the color unless you've already had oranges all around. You didn't have oranges all over the joint until the 1500s to begin with, hmm. right? So you didn't know that you would call it orange. You would call it reddish-yellow. Then you have the fruit, and you can go, ah, this reddish-yellow color is like this orange, right? I'm trying to think. In ancient Greek, there's, I think there's Sandrakinos. Sandarakinos, which I think they did use as sort of an orangey color. Yeah, in ancient Greek, it's Sandarakinos, Sandarakinos. Well, whatever. We'll, <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be pronouncing ancient, attempting to pronounce it, whatever, for hours. Here's an easy color. I'll start it and let Kathy finish it because if this has a certain resonance with Kathy. 
Pomegranate, Fletcher. Pomegranate. I love pomegranate. Mm-hmm. I do too. Pomegranate is not an English word. Let's be quiet for a minute and let Fletcher reconsider that. But, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't finished. Okay. Not an English word, except it is an English word. <laughs> okay, Fletcher, we'll give you a point on that. Okay, it, it is definitely a Romance language word. Okay. It comes from medieval Latin, pomum, which would be, guess what, apple, and then granatum, yeah. with seeds. Yep. So pom, apple, granat, having grains or seeds, granata, granatus, granum, grain. So we have... It is a combination of two words, and it definitely both are from uh, middle, both are from Latin. Yeah, so, that, that makes too much sense, yeah. Yeah. But, now, Kathy lives in a city. Now, Kathy, where do you live again? I live in Granada. Yes. <laughs> and I was saying to Ross, pomegranates are called grenades, often. And the thing that always, and they think it was probably from the Spanish Granada, but what gets me is when I fill out, like I'm buying something online, and if I switch it to English, translate it automatically to English, and they have the province, I see at the beginning I would get flipped out. It says, you know, blah, 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 my address, Calle Luis de, you know, Calle Fray Luis de Granada, Once, Armia, Grenade, España. <laughs> 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 and it sort of throws you because uh-huh. they keep on saying, like, are you, are you sure you want this delivered to Grenade? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get flagged it's, it's, for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I know. It's like, honestly, it's just a pair of jeans. You know? <laughs> but the weirdest thing for me was I didn't really realize that Grenade is a, literally a pomegranate. I didn't realize mm-hmm. they were, I would never have guessed those two words related except for, by the sound, but I didn't. I never thought of it. No, you wouldn't, would you? No, you don't picture like heroic World War II soldiers throwing pomegranates at the Germans, you know? Oh, that sounds like a Banksy piece, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> okay, next. I think you'll get this one, Fletcher. The magic word is shampoo. Shampoo. Uh, why do you think I'm going to get this? <laughs> <laughs> I have faith in you. Okay, uh, sham- shampoo. Shampoo does not seem very, very English. It doesn't seem very Norman or Anglo-Saxon to me. So, uh, so it, it's it's neither one. It's, I mean, You're right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yep, he got it. Okay. Where's this one from? It, it comes from the Hindi and Urdu. Yeah, okay. The word chapu, would that be chapo or chapu? It means to dis, to massage. So you're massaging things into your body. So it's like to press, to knead the, the muscles, and it might have come from the Sanskrit. So um, the lather and wash part of shampooing um, didn't start until 1860, having it like as a verb. Mm, okay. That one sort of got me though. Like, what did they, I guess they would, you would wash your hair. You would never shampoo. I didn't realize shampoo is such a recent, you know, for lathering and washing your hair is so recent. But when I think mm-hmm. about it, I, you know, I never really read like, I don't know, uh, Sir Walter Scott shampooing his hair. So I guess yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, well, it came from like you figure it's Anglo Indian was. I mean, so we have to go all yeah. the time to there. Yeah, when you get it. So yeah. Okay, we're gonna end with a Z or a Z. The letter, depending on where you're pronouncing it. And Catherine, do you want to do the word? The word is zigzag. Zigzag. Okay, zigzag 
either seems like it can't possibly be an English word or it's a very English word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you. I too. <laughs> I'm going to say it. it is a very English word, like fairly recent. Come close. Sort of. Kind of. It is an, it, it comes from the French zigzag. <laughs> oh. oh, really? Okay, this I would not have guessed. Which This fascinated me, which might have come from the German zigzag, but they're not sure. <gasps> okay, that seems a little more understandable. Huh. Do you want to hear something weird about zigzag for me, at least? When we were kids, for a couple number of years, we lived in Egypt, and there's a big town in Egypt called Zagazig. Oh, yeah, And that right. used to fascinate me as a kid, because I was always like, is that, like, backwards, or, or are we backwards? But there's no relation between the two. But I'd love to live in Zagazig. I always wanted to, like, have that as a <laughs> address. Okay. As you zigzag through the streets in Zagazig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like a bad poem, isn't it? It's like zigzagging through the streets of Zagazig. A, a bad <laughs> poem or a really good poem? Yeah. I don't know, but I, we expect you to have it written for us next time, Fletcher. Without a doubt. It. You got it. You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.